Hey, Dan, check it out. Oh, what the hell? Is this a puzzle box? Mm-hmm. Let me guess. You can't open it. Are you kidding me? I can barely get the straws into my Capri Sun pouches. How do you expect me to open this? Now shut up and help me. Damn it. Maybe if I... I got it. I got it. Where's my blowtorch? Nah. I'll get the jackhammer. Who's your daddy now, yeah. huh? Show me your secret. Take it. Adam, the box, so impenetrable. Uh, wait a second. No. Oh, what is this, a keypad? Ah, okay. Enter the date you agreed to start watching Twin Peaks. Okay. Now enter the date you finished the return. Okay. Okay, now enter the date the Titanic sank. What? Just do it, man. Oh, <laughs> it worked. Uh, uh, something's wrong, Dan. This is the Black Lodge Complaint Department, your source for all the Twin Peaks ire you could possibly handle. I'm your host, Daniel Williams. And I'm your co-host, Adam Bauer. Welcome back, folks. Oh, boy. This episode. A roller coaster, right? Ups and downs. I can't even believe it. Yeah, and we kind of commented this when we were hanging out the other day that I kind of mentioned that this episode was really cool. And for once, Daniel's like, yeah. It was. Dude, I said it out loud (laughs) to myself. I was like, wow, this episode was pretty good. Well, let's talk about the episode. This is episode 20 from season two, The Path to the Black Lodge. Yeah. The original air date, April 18th, 1991. Uh, This episode was written by series regulars Harley Payton and Robert Ingalls. They're back. Oh, I mean, where did they go? And this episode, I know we don't talk about directors all too often, but this episode was directed by Stephen Yillenhall. Oh, really? Who is... Oh, Steve Yilly. Yes, parent to the Yillenhall siblings who are Jake Yellenhall and Maggie Yellenhall. I didn't know that's where we were going with that name until the end of the bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, okay, that's their, cool. their that's parents, cool. or right their father. So, Well, Adam, as you mentioned, after 28 episodes of this show, I finally found one that I liked. <laughs> well, it's not surprising because now we're getting into all of the weird kooky shit going on with yeah. the lodges, and now we know... It's a place, and we know that it potentially it could be a resource that can be tapped, or who knows? We know that Bob is associated with it, and we know yeah. that he is not a good dude. So things are starting. We're getting some more motivation, not only behind Wyndham Earl, but also behind Bob. Not right. a lot right now, but we're starting to put together some of the pieces. It's about damn time, yeah. man. It's a shame that this episode and this pacing was not present a handful of episodes or fewer after Leland died. Yeah. You know, this is episode 20. This stuff should have been front and center by episode 13, by episode 14. I mean, I we agree. should have been hitting these beats. And I think the reason the show is resonating so much with you right now is because they've really done a fantastic job at injecting mystery back into the show. Mm-hmm. Whereas originally it was all who done it who killed Laura and you know we found the answer to that question and it really wasn't that satisfying when we found it (laughs) and they just I guess they didn't know where they wanted to take it but now we've got stuff that is haunting and kind of ominous and we know bad shit's gonna happen and we have enough information from all the previous episodes that we're kind of predicting where things are going so I think that setup is fun 
At the beginning of the episode, it picks up right where the previous episode yeah, left off. Yeah, where the gazebo. Yeah, Rusty is still in the giant chess piece. They're questioning hey, a buddy of Rusty's. As they're dragging the giant chess piece away, did you see what the morgue workers were wearing? It was really weird. They had these cool, like, future sci-fi helmet things. And I was <laughs> like, what show am I watching all of a sudden? It looked really... Like um, a sci- old 50s sci-fi film just bled into Twin Peaks for a moment? Yeah, or like some kind of weird cyberpunk guys from the future decided they needed to use Rusty's body for experimentation? Like, I don't know. And this all could have been set up. I mean, there's a lot of weird shit that happens in this episode that doesn't go anywhere because the series is canceled. But yeah. Truman and Coop are questioning Rusty's friend, yeah. a fellow heavy meddler. They're roadies. Yeah. He mentioned that some guy in a suit came out of the woods and offered them some brew. Yeah, and like any good heavy metal roadie you take the free beer yeah that's what wherever they, it comes yeah, from. that's like money for them yeah it's like currency <laughs> yeah free beer is currency did not work out for rusty as we know <laughs> did you see that andy was crying in the background yeah oh it was so sad well, and they didn't and the fact that they didn't focus on it was really wonderful that it was just back yeah. it was just set dressing for that moment there's like oh there's andy doing his thing back there but they weren't hamming it up and yeah. I really like that. And Truman's like, come on, pal, be strong. And Truman, you let that man grieve the loss of life, okay? He is <laughs> yeah. sensitive. He's not strong like you. Yeah, the, the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department needs some heart, you know. And yeah. Andy is that heart, that innocence. He's not the brains of the operation. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so they, get, they go back to the sheriff's station. Did you hear what Cooper said at the end of the scene? Wyndham Earl's playing off the board. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he was all about playing oh, yeah, the game. Yeah. And now he drops Rusty's body in this. The pretense falls apart here that Wyndham Earl was going to play this macabre chess game right. and, and kill people. But Cooper realizes ultimately that that was a ruse. Well, I like that they pointed to that. Like, this did not work out. Yes. That's boring. We're going to do yeah. something different. We're moving on. Yeah. Yeah. And we are moving on, as you said, to the sheriff's department. If you look at the background, the chest piece that that dead body was in, I don't understand. I mean, it's funny that it's there, but the human body usually vacates upon death. So I don't think you'd want a bloody, shitty, urine-soaked chest piece in your lobby. I guess it's evidence, so they took it back to the sheriff's department? Yeah, and there's nowhere to put it. I don't know. Uh, I don't know, Take it out back, put a tarp on it. (laughs) Throw a tarp over it. It's paper mache. You leave that out in the rain, it's ruined. It's gone. It's just going to melt. So this scene is bonkers all over the place because we just left this crime scene and we're just not going to address that stuff. Lucy asks Andy what he knows about saving the planet because she wants to enter the Miss Twin Peaks pageant. Why does she want to do that? (laughs) She wants to win the prize for the kid and this is how she's going to choose the father of her baby? It's kind of manipulative. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't understand that portion of the plot, her scheme. How is she going to decide which is is going to be the father? Like, well, what is she going to do? What does she mean? She's done nothing but show disdain yeah. towards Dick over the past few episodes. So I think most of us realize that she is in love with Andy. She wants Andy to be the father of her child. Maybe she's using the contest and this speech as a way to get closer to him. Well, and here's the goddamn thing. Andy is the obvious choice, right? He is a lawman. He's got steady employment. He will have a pension. Dick is a man who is obviously in his 40s and still works in retail. And like, smokes cigarettes. Yeah. He's not going to be around for much longer. He's gross. And he's weird. And he's got that weird accent that he tries yeah. to put on. His- <laughs> I think the, the stars are going to align for... Our dear Lucy and Andy. I hope they get married. I hope that's how the season two ends with a wedding. (laughs) They just pull it together really fast. Really quickly? Yeah. Yeah. Andy, of course, wants to help Lucy because she is the love of his life. And I just, 
I don't know what we're doing here. Her scheme is unlike Lucy, I guess is what upsets me so much. She's not much of a schemer. I get that she wants to earn money for the baby, so that's why she enters the contest, but that should have no bearing on her relationship with Andy or Nick. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Back at the Great Northern, John Justice Wheeler is desperately looking for Audrey. Yeah. Because in last week's episode, he decided that he's taken off. Yeah. Well, we get it. We find out why here. Right. And I guess we should set up, too, that Ben is having a checkup with Doc Hayward right now. And I, I don't know who scheduled this. I feel like it was Doc Hayward because of all the shit Ben has been kicking up with Donna and Eileen that he wanted to like, oh, hey, I need to give you a checkup and tell you to back the fuck off. This is so weird. Get an office space, Doc Hayward. Or they can save money and shoot it at the set they already have. <laughs> That's I think true. that was the reason. They have a hospital set, though, right? Or is that an that actual was a hospital? hospital? I oh, think, okay. yeah. Okay, fine, 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 fine. So Ben, like you said, he's getting a checkup. They don't come right out and say what they're thinking. It's a little more guarded. Yeah. But Doc Hayward is basically saying, "Hey, Ben, you need to back off." And and Ben immediately shoots back that he's trying to be a better person. That he's sick right. of the lies. And everything that they created and that it's an odd and strange journey for him, but he feels compelled to see it through. And Don Hayward has a really great line here that he believes Ben, but he also understands that the goodness in Ben is a ticking time bomb, as he yeah. calls it. Did you know that Doc Hayward's first name is Will? I did not. Yeah, We're I mean, we 28 episodes home. in, <laughs> I just learned his first name. So, yeah, we're, we're kind of getting a clear picture that Donna is, in fact, the child of Benjamin Horn. Yeah, that's fine. I don't, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's a story, it's a plot line that was being set up for season three that never happened. Right. So after these next Wait, they don't do it in season three? (laughs) Yeah, no Donna season three. No Donna. Okay. Jack comes in. John, Jack, they're the same. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And it turns out that Hayward does have an office. He actually says that he has to get back to the office. And I'm like, dude, why are you never there? You're never at your office. So you're either wasting money on, on real estate or I don't even know. I don't know. Doc Hayward being such an integral part of this series is kind of baffling to me. I don't hate it, but it's always like, why is the town doctor always around? Yeah, when season one, when he was looking for the cabin out, and he's like, he's really old. He shouldn't be. He's going to roll an ankle, guys. (laughs) Anyway, Doc Hayward's taken off. Jack's coming in looking for Audrey. He's got to go, and he wants to say his goodbyes. And he looks desperate. He's a man that is lovesick. And this is where we learn that Jack's business partner has been moitered. Yes. Okay. Yeah, not just gone, murdered. Yeah, I I mean... There's a lot of stuff, you know, that you can just start dropping from your memory now, like Evelyn and all all that bullshit. doesn't matter. That's fine. We're in the Hayward House attic where Donna is looking through old family photo albums and whatnot. And And I have to say that a relatively boring scene is handled well because of the creepy fan in the background, the ominous lighting, the slow music that's kind of burning underneath the scene. This is when the show gets better again, when it's kind of reminding the audience and the viewer that, hey, these are the qualities that made the show so great. No, I mean, what makes this show great in this episode is... Ben's mustache in that photo. <laughs> that was an amazing mustache. Yeah, and Doc Hayward hasn't aged today. <laughs> <laughs> he lost a wig, but I mean, hey. <laughs> He's been 75 years old for 85 years. <laughs> Donna gets a call on the phone from Hawk. And we are back to the Great Northern. That's the end of that scene. Yeah, Audrey is finally back, and yep. she just missed John again. I think yeah. they crossed paths in the, the lobby. And Hawk must have called Donna on his cell phone because he is there with Audrey having a chat. Yeah, he's trying to get the girls, all of the girls that yeah. received the poem from Wyndham. And from there, we move into Ben's office, and Ben and Jack are saying sad goodbyes, which, I mean, 
Couldn't Vince worried here. Jack come back? Yeah, he could come back, but he says, you're not coming back, are you? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, he don't says know, no. I don't know why. He's only been there for like two days. The character needed an exit, Dan. The character exits on this show are never very good. They're very, yeah, they're kind of sharp. Lucy's sister. Right. Who did not have an exit, just stopped appearing. Yeah, the Hayward sisters. Where are they? Yeah. All the, the various sisters are just, they've been kidnapped by Bob. They are in the woods. <laughs> And man, that sentence got more morbid than I had anticipated, and I apologize. They say goodbye, we say goodbye, and we're going to go to the sheriff's office again. This is probably the coolest part of the episode. Not only is Major Briggs going through all of the Project Blue Book files, but he's got some help from the Bookhouse Boys there. Random Bookhouse Boys. Yeah, named Cappy. Cappy. Can I play you some of the Major's takes on Earl? Because this is some really good dialogue, and... Also, there's some good VHS cassette yeah, action here. Yeah, this is the mythology of the show. We're getting it you know, front and center right now. So, yeah, we should definitely listen to it. Let's do it. Earl was the best and brightest among us. But when our attention turned from outer space to the wooded areas surrounding Twin Peaks, he became destructively obsessive. Earl acted in an overzealous and secretive manner, possessive of his assignments, finally violent. He was removed from the project. So, like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Earl is crazy. He is crazy, but I don't know if he went insane before or after he started looking into this stuff or if it's oh, one and the, the same. Oh, I think the Black Lodge drove him crazy. Yeah, that's easy to see. Yeah. I couldn't even really fully comprehend what he was going on about. So the Black Lodge, Earl became obsessed with finding it. So his motivation is to not just find it, but it's a resource for him. It's something it's untapped and he yeah. sees the potential of it. And that's why he wants to get to it. He wants to use it as a tool, not for the sake of just being evil. I mean, that's what the Black Lodge is. And he spells it out that it exists for no other purpose, just to commit evil acts and to become more powerful through committing just like a never ending cycle of destruction, you know, just representing that. And that is the the evil in, in the woods of Twin Peaks that the Bookhouse Boys have fought against and probably what has bled over into the town and just destroyed lives and, and we saw what it did to Leland. Yeah. We saw what it did to Philip. So not only is it a tangible place, but we know that the big bad wants to get there. And that right. is a very clear, concise motivation that should have happened a long time ago because it really I love gives, clear, concise yeah, motivation. It gives the show momentum. It yeah. moves in a direction and we have mystery again. We want to know what the Black Lodge is. We want to know more about it. But none of our characters know the answers to those questions. Only Earl does. But he's got his own plans and he's not being forthcoming about anything. So it's cool to see Briggs and Cooper piece this all together together because this is also the point where Cooper's like guys I really fucked up not only is the chess game doesn't matter anymore it was all just a ruse for him to use us to find the Black Lodge more quickly it feels like a pivot in the writer's room probably yeah from like oh he wants revenge on Cooper to no 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 we gotta we gotta get the Black Lodge stuff in because we need an exit strategy we are out of time (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think you're probably right it's a bit of both I like this pivot this makes more sense this is more interesting it's more creepy and weird and not quite science fiction but somewhere spiritual science fiction it's i don't know it's an amalgamation of a lot of different genres i will say that knowing now what the black lodge is i don't want to be its complaint department <laughs> i don't want to be associated it with would the be black pretty lodge. bad it would be pretty terrifying yeah so <laughs> mistake on our part <laughs> now we're trapped yeah let's move over to earl's woodland shack and I forgot that Wyndham Earl had a listening device in Truman's office where apparently they're just spending all their time now. Like, yeah. fuck, guys, come on. I mean, they don't know, but like above the narrative, you go from having everyone kind of have various conversations around the sheriff's department in that conference room, in the interrogation rooms, to 
solely being in Truman's office because that's where the device has to be. So that's where they have to be. So that Wyndham Earl can like that seems a little forced. Yeah. But I mean, I guess good on Wyndham Earl for knowing <laughs> how stupid they were. Right. <laughs> Well, and it's no coincidence that Cooper is doing as well as he can, but he admits several times in this episode that his thinking is clouded. He's not at his best right now because he's very distracted. So, as I said, Wyndham Earl, he's listening on the bonsai tree, and he's ranting about meeting up with Briggs, and his ranting has gotten good. The actor's ranting has gotten good. So I'm having a hard time following. Like, when I saw him on the TV screen, when I see him here, I'm like, what is he doing? He's obviously about. <laughs> passionate about something. I just yeah. don't know. Well, he mentions Dugpas, which are ancient evil sorcerers that mm. are hands of the Black Lodge that will right. do their evil bidding. And it's funny to note that Dugpas are kind of a branch of traditional Tibetan Buddhism. Okay. Um, but they're not an evil organization. They're not Hydra. <laughs> exactly. Most of the content about the Dugpas and the evil sorcerers Lynch and Frost lifted from the 1926 Talbot Mundi novel, The Devil's Guard. Oh, and even some of the shit that Wyndham says is directly lifted from that book about evil Tibetan sorcerers. So. It sounds like you're having a hard time saying plagiarized. It's, it's pronounced <laughs> plagiarized. <laughs> little real world history on some of these names they're flinging out there. I like Leo is kind of scheming himself here. He grabbed the shock collar remote and he kind of pocketed it. But I, I like that Leo is starting to revolt against his master as best he can, which is not that great. So before we take off yeah. from this scene, Adam, it sounds like Earl knows more than he's letting on. And the problem I have with that is that maybe it's that the actor isn't quite sure how to deliver the lines or it doesn't sound like it makes sense. But is that a good kind of thing like or bad I'm, thing? when I'm reading things and <laughs> I just commit to it, even though it doesn't you know, make any sense. But I say it with such confidence that yeah, but, it's like that. I mean, he's supposed to be a, a crazy guy. So yeah. maybe that's intentional. And that would be a positive and maybe, way to, to spin yeah. that. <laughs> and maybe these are just symptoms from a mad dash in the writer's room, like you mentioned. Yeah, you know, that, that could that be. Just, that could things be. are kind of really moving quickly now. Yeah. Well, that's all I've got to say about that. And I would like to take you to a shaky-handed lady at the double R. Yes, the first of several shaky hands. What? Oh, this is that. What, that what? Cooper later on his shaky hand. This is one of those. I thought we were just making fun of an old the lady. random lady, yeah. Cooper, and then Pete. Right. Yeah, I didn't so, know this was one of those. Yeah, let's talk about it. So okay. an old lady that we may have seen in the background a few times before is eating a pie, and we hear this kind of high-pitched humming, ringing noise, and her hand just starts shaking. She grabs it and looks distressed, and then that's it. We, we move along. I thought we were making fun of old people. You thought that scene was there to just like, oh, the old people in Twin Peaks are just, they're all having the tremors. Uh, well, Twin Peaks is famous for putting weird shit in the foreground and background and having it make no sense. Fair enough. Maytag repairmen. Bouncing balls. This show is weird. Anyway, Shelly is reading over her Miss Twin Peaks speech with Bobby. And this is the Bobby I like. She's, did Bobby write her speech? She didn't write the speech. She's Bobby wrote it, help, trying to help her out. Okay. That is interesting. Which is why she says we're going to kick butt for the environment. Right. Well, and it's pretty well written. Yeah. To show that Bobby isn't a total tool. You yeah. Know, he is kind of a smart guy if he applies himself and calms the fuck down listen i know that we just played a clip but this bobby briggs monologue here is something i was not expecting from this episode so i'm making an executive decision we are listening to bobby's profession of love can we do that yeah i know that i have not been paying the right kind of attention to you lately i got busy with mr horn 
I started wearing suits, okay? And suddenly I'm walking around like I'm more important than everybody else. You were pretty crummy. Bobby, I've missed you. I've missed all the things we used to do together. When I saw you kissing that guy, something snapped. It was like my brain rolled over and I could see all of the stuff that was special to me. All the stuff that matters. This was very reminiscent of his conversation with his father very yeah. early in season two, where Briggs relays a vision he had where yes. Bobby was at peace with himself and the world around him. And when he is talking to his mom in the living room of their house, when Major Garland Briggs reappears, like that was a really good scene, too. This is the Bobby I would have liked to have seen episodes ago. Yeah, that he kind of was a shithead for a while, but now, you know, his character has some depth and he still can be kind of an asshole, but he's starting to come around. Sort of like Ben, you know, him yeah. and Ben kind of are mirroring each other, at least their character arcs for season two. That's that's a really good point. This is Bobby in the hands of a writer who cares about the character. That isn't just a kid screaming right. and stomping around. Which is weird because the same writers wrote that version too. Yeah. This show, as we know... We've said it many times before, yeah. There were way too many cooks in the kitchen. This season should have been cut in half. Laura's killer should have never been revealed. And they should have just segued into the Earl and the Lodge stuff. But it did not happen. Well... Cooper calls the diner to get in touch with Shelly, and now he's got his trio of women. But we're not going to the sheriff's department to deal with that. We've got to stop off at the roadhouse. Yep, where they're getting and ready. I wish we weren't. Yeah, we head to the roadhouse where they're setting up for Miss Twin Peaks, which yeah. is just right around the corner. A really bizarre place to do it, by the way. Well, don't forget that they had Leland's bail hearing yeah. at the roadhouse. It's a multi-purpose site. It's, it's an event space. Yeah, it's a utility <laughs> space for Twin Peaks. Don't they have yeah. an American Legion Hall? <laughs> Mayor Dwayne is here. With Lana. Yeah. She really wants to win Miss Twin Peaks, just like Shelly and I don't Lucy. want to talk about this, so I'm just going to let you rant. It was kind of a weird scene because you got Dwayne being a bit lecherous and talking about using his, his young fiance as bait for the judges. To yep. Yeah, it was just kind of creepy and weird and <laughs> yeah. went on a little too long. Mm-hmm. A fun fact, Dwayne actually lives and he is in the return. No shit. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally fucking with oh. you. He, he's like 80. Or I something. know. <laughs> he's like, what? There's hope for me. You're a good liar. I've said it before. Uh, Can we be done with it? I mean, yeah, that's it. I mean, this uh, just another plot line. It's going to evaporate as soon course. as we get to the end of the season. So moving on. We move back to the sheriff's department where Cooper's finally meeting with the three young women that Earl is targeting. And in a really great scene, we reestablish the stakes for the audience yeah, and right. our characters and Cooper. This is a time that they all need to start being more aware of their surroundings. They need to start. Oh, yeah. Cooper points it out. You guys need to start checking in. I want you checking in with your parents in the morning and night. Don't go anywhere you don't need to. You're in danger. I am in danger. Be careful. This is a very important scene, I could tell. And we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, did you notice Donna's baller vest? 1991, man. Oh, boy. I was into it. I was like, I want one of those. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hit up Earl's Woodland Shack again. tragedy strikes. Melissa, it's really nice of you to come back for the funeral. A D&D group reunites. So, uh, is Dylan coming? What up, man? To celebrate the life of a friend. Take that, you wretched sea hag! <laughs> until something happens. Now they're struggling to survive in a world they don't understand. It got 
over, man. Game over. Follow our group as they fail through time and space. I dropped it, you guys. Oh, David. Buddy. Run! <laughs> A beginner's guide to interplanetary destruction. <laughs> That's what I'm calling my penis as of eight seconds ago. Who wouldn't want the hunky hero and the fantastic leading lady to be brought to life? With Love and Lost a Smutcast, indulge in a radio drama filled to the brim with romance, laughs, and all those wonderfully awkward moments that come with a new relationship. And don't forget those delicious sexy parts that make romance novels oh so fun to enjoy. Season one of Love and Lust is available now at CalamityCast.com or anywhere that you can find podcasts. We're back at the Black Lodge Complaint Department talking about the path to the Black Lodge. <laughs> the back door to my house. That's, That's how you the get The basement here. of Daniel's house yeah, in the studio. Come on. Come on in. We are in Earl's shack, and Earl sounds different in this scene. He's talking about that Leo would have liked the Dugpas, the ancient evil sorcerers. I meant literally. I think he's got a cold in this episode. Wyndham? Yeah. No, he kind of sounds nasally. Yeah, he does. I didn't really think I noticed that. He seems that. stuffy. Well, he's got Leo performing menial tasks like cleaning his saw blades or whatever. Right. And I'm like, I think this he, is just an did excuse. Did he bring the saw with him? Did he buy it at Home Depot when he bought that other stuff? Like, <laughs> he raided Home Depot, man. He did. He needed like two U-Hauls to get all of his Home Depot shit to the shack. So he you, built that shack from you, the ground up. All from Home Depot supplies. Yeah, it's a Home Depot shack. You mentioned Leo. And Leo, as he's cleaning up, he sees Shelly on Earl's murder board. And he... He's sad. Love Shelly. He talks <laughs> like a caveman now, which I'm fine with. He was of all the assholes yeah. in this series. I do not feel bad for Leo Johnson. Leo, love Shelly. <laughs> Leo, hate Wyndham. Wyndham bad, Shelly good. Well, Wyndham is kind of throwing shade at poor Leo. Like, yeah. oh, your your wife has some pretty modern views on fidelity. The throwaway lines here were kind of interesting, Reese, getting into more of his obsession with harnessing these ancient evil powers, and, you know, he's tickled with himself. Well, what's weird about Wyndham Earl's drive is that most of the time you don't see a villain who wants to do evil things for the sake of being evil. Like, a villain is never the villain in their own story, but Wyndham Earl is clearly the villain of his story that he's trying to tell here. He's the bad guy that wants to be a powerful evil guy. And that's weird. He doesn't want to be evil. He wants to reorder the world as he see fits. He wants the ultimate control. He wants to be an artist, you know, with the powers of the cosmos as his canvas and just reorder the earth. Is that apparent? Because I don't see that. I, I mean, maybe I missed in it. In the previous episode, he mentions that uh, if you were able to access this place, it would give you the power to reorder the world itself. And that is ultimately his goal, that he wants to harness this power to, to reshape reality. I see. I suppose I wasn't taking him literally there. Now that a lot of these myths are becoming concrete, we're getting a clearer picture and a right. lot of that stuff you threw away or didn't think of as important in previous episodes it yeah. begs for a rewatch daniel mm, yeah leo pulls the device he palmed earlier which was the remote for his own shot collar that he's wearing and he tries to take out windham earl windham kind of is like what do you have there and it's he a does weird kind of time a... to have comedy injected into the scene <laughs> I mean, it was funny. It was funny. And then Leo just starts screaming for a couple of minutes there straight. You know what, buddy? You tried. You tried. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he, he must have seen Wyndham use that. Right. He saw Wyndham use that to hurt him. So he wanted to turn the tables on Wyndham. But it doesn't. Yeah, Leo just ends up shocking himself repeatedly. That's sad. That was sad and hilarious. And we're just going to skate on down to the Great Northern, which in my mind 
is like a three-minute walk from Wyndham's Woodland Shack. Just a quick jaunt. Yeah, like if you were looking out the right window in the Great Northern, you could see Earl's Shack. But that's just my headcanon. Audrey's back at the Great Northern after stopping in at the police office. And this is when she crosses paths with John, and they just miss each other. She's kind of racing to find him, and he's kind of milling about waiting to leave because he wants to talk to Audrey. John comes out of the elevator, and I'm not sure what else happened in this scene because a man is carrying a tree out of the elevator. Where... Where is he going with that tree, Adam? I want to er- know about the tree man. <laughs> they had a very erotic night. He's <laughs> they, leaving. They yeah. were coming from the honeymoon yeah, suite. Yeah, they were coming from the honeymoon suite. <laughs> Bananas. Anyway, Jack, he's gone for good. He's like in and out, and he's like, no, I got to go. I, uh, My own private jet is waiting. I don't like how this was another character, and this was one that kind of started to matter, but ultimately does not matter. Mm-mm. I mean, it feels like they could have just kept him until the end. There were only two more episodes. They could have given him a better out oh, at the end of the Oh, you're saying this is just a little too rushed? Yeah, because they were starting to build something with him. Maybe he was a casualty of in Wyndham's attack on Cooper, something more dramatic, something more important than, oh, my buddy died, I gotta go bury him, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Missed opportunity there, for sure. Anyway. Well, after she misses John, she goes to her father's office. Right. Where he's glad to see her. Yeah, I Because like, he's got like more that. shit he needs her to do. Yeah, hey. He, Stop Ghostwood, I need you to deal with this. He wants her to be the spokesperson for the Stop Ghostwood campaign. Yeah, but she's more interested in finding Jack. She's got to win Miss Twin Peaks, and she didn't enter, right? But she doesn't care. She's got to find Jack John. She realizes she just missed him minutes ago, and she turns around and just bolts. This is like the runway scene in Casablanca. (laughs) Adam... What the fuck is Pete doing? At the Great Northern? Yeah. I feel like this is more of plot lines that fizzled because the show got canceled. I don't know, but he is just standing around. I think he's lamenting the loss of Josie again. You know what? He's probably drawn to the Great Northern because she's trapped in the woods. She's just like, you know what? Yeah, she's like, I need to find my friend. She's a doorknob now or handle. That's all Pete is here to do is drive Audrey. And then hang out. Maybe he drove her from the sheriff's station? No, because she runs through and she sees Pete. She's like, hey, do you have a car? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, I've got this bitchin' pickup truck. Why? What's up? (laughs) He's like, all right, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, he wasn't doing anything. (laughs) Now that the the wood mill burned down, I really don't have that much to do. It was just a storage facility. The rest of the mill is still functioning fine, sir. But, okay, so point being, he's, speaking of mills, he's milling around (laughs) the lobby of the Great Northern, and he... Gives Audrey a ride to the airstrip in his baller pickup truck. Yeah. He's so proud of it. Yeah, this is definitely one of those romantic romance films moments where they're just kind of racing to get to the love of their life before they leave. Yeah, my last note for this scene, because it's over, is are we about to go off the rails here? This episode was doing pretty well. And, well, the episode is coming to a close, so at least there is that. You know, the, the, It doesn't have an opportunity to get crazier than it already does. We are at the sheriff's department. We are kind of working on the cave drawing, the petroglyph, and it's time for the Harry Truman wardrobe update. Oh, wow. He is back to his potato sack. <laughs> he was looking pretty sharp in that sweater that we saw. He's got more comfortable now. He's, he's getting true. used to Josie being gone, even though it's been a few days. But he needs to get back to some sense of familiarity with the world around him. Just let him be at peace, Daniel. If he wants to wear a brown paper bag outfit, let him. Fine. I... We'll let him because this show is 30 years old and there's nothing I can do about it. 
Cooper is just head in the clouds, daydreaming about Annie. Yeah, and unlike him, the two friends are kind of sharing a back and forth that yeah. Cooper kind of feels bad about it, and and Truman reassures him, you know, like, hey, you know, you're a lucky guy, you know, you should feel this way. It's great. As he's trying to support his friend, he kind of looks down and he just looks crushed, you know, because this is this is a man who just lost. He'll never love again. Yeah, he just lost the love of his life. And Adam. Cooper's hand starts tremoring. Weird tremors, just like the lady eating the pie. And the scary violins playing in the background, and I half expected to just have the camera pan and there would be a violin player there, because the show is weird. <laughs> and something really cool is happening, and we're done with that. Yeah. It's like, cut. Happens one more time <sighs> this episode, and it absolutely goes nowhere. Seriously? It's one of the casualties to getting canceled. It was a I setup. thought that was something directly related, related to, to the, the Black finale. Lodge. Yeah. It could have been related to the Black Lodge, but ultimately, <sighs> we never see that lady again. The handshakes never come up again. I thought that was a really like, significant well, piece of the series finale. That also means that you can read into it however you'd like. So, yeah, why not? It's the Black Lodge. No, Adam, I want to be told how to feel. Adam, can we go for a walk in the woods? Yeah. Because that's what... Major Garland Briggs is doing, and that has got to be the most unsafe thing he could be doing right now. Yeah, he's clearing his head. In the most dangerous woods on Earth. I know. You think, but maybe, I mean, he has no idea how close Wyndham is. and, and <laughs> Very that, close. The fact that he's been listening to them. But he, he kind of strolls up to a tree and he, touches it. He walks up to this tree like the two are old friends. What? Maybe that tree has some significance in his life. And Briggs turns around and is gunned down by a horse. Adam, I've always said horses are untrustworthy animals. Don't trust them? Have I, you ever ridden one? No. Ask Stephanie how I feel about horses. You can't fucking trust them. So there's no... And that's funny because you really like Westerns, so... If you were in a not, Western, you'd be like, no, I'm not, I'm not riding the horse. <laughs> you'll just get a mule, like a baby mule. Like This is more my speed. And it turns out it's not a horse, which I've, I've been tricked by horses before, sir. I really want to know why Wyndham and Leo, like, couldn't he just have hid behind a tree? Yeah, like, he's not fooling anybody. We know there's a man in that suit. <laughs> Did he just do it to be an asshole? It's, like, I really, just, I bought this horse outfit. We're wearing it. It's just one of his many costumes. He's got the biker. He's got the trucker. He's got the horse. The professor. <laughs> the poetry professor, he's got Mr. Ed. Briggs is, is tranked. <laughs> yeah. And this episode is crazy, man. Yeah. Well, if you remember a few scenes earlier when Earl is commenting on the fact that they haven't really made any progress on the investigation, that while he had most of the answers, he knew Briggs had access to some information that he needed. And this is, you know, him following through on that to get the final pieces he needs. Cooper shows up to the double R to flirt with Annie and drink approximately seven gallons of coffee. Yeah, just another opportunity for the two to flirt and kind of cultivate that relationship. And It's a very flirty scene. And we know but it's Adam, not going to end well. What is the deal with the music while they're flirting? It's very ominous and sinister. Absolutely. This is an episode about Cooper being so distracted by love that he ignores a lot of warnings. Although the music in a scene is not a warning for Cooper. But as an audience, we're like, man, something is not going well right now. We don't know what it is and we can't put our finger on it. That's what that music is for. Weird. When you set that against these two lovebirds and, you know, you've got this camera that's just ever so slowly pulling back. I and, thought so. Yeah, yeah, revealing more and more of these two exposed characters. It's not good. Let me ask you this. Why didn't people like this relationship? I mean, it came on kind of quick, but I think they're actually a really cute couple. Like, 
their back and forth here is pretty genuine. Like, it felt real. The audience felt the creative tug and pull behind the scenes just as much as the people making the show. So when the series established itself with all these wonderful characters and Audrey and Cooper and that dangerous, flirtatious, yeah. older man, younger woman relationship really struck a chord with people. And they, people really liked how mischievous Audrey was. And mm-hmm. they loved her set against our Boy Scout Cooper. And, and they just yeah. really fell in love with the idea of those two being in love. And we know that it didn't work out. And That's I think weird. Pe- and people just resisted it. You know, people saw Annie as a replacement to Audrey. Well, I mean, that is for sure what she was. But I mean, the whole Audrey Cooper thing was weird. She's just too young. Well, the scene's not quite over because as they're flirting, as they are getting closer, she knocks a plate onto the floor and it breaks. And then everything gets super serious. And we see some super serious syrup seriously dripping. Like, <laughs> are you scared yet? Yeah. Syrup! Bad stuff is on the horizon. We're not going to tell you what, but breakfast is involved! And now we go to the airstrip for real. Yeah. For the weirdest scenes in Twin Peaks. I had to stop, like, pause it, yeah, me and rewind too. it, because I, I didn't remember this. <laughs> You're like, what just happened? Like, what did she say? But let's, why don't we talk about let's it? Let's get into it. Pete and Audrey show up. He is hauling ass to get to John Jack's. What a nice guy. Yeah. Because he just didn't have anything better to do. Yeah. And he likes to drive his pickup truck. It runs like a dream. Pete parks, I guess, just hangs back. And Audrey and John Jack have their reunion. Yeah, they finally, yeah. They finally meet They're up right as he leaves. I have a question for you, Adam. When did you decide that you loved your significant other? Was it two dates or did it only take one? <laughs> It takes time, you know, and everybody's different, but it maybe... T- for them, it takes 48 hours. Yeah, that's it. I mean, because she's absolutely ready to throw herself at JJW, and she does. Yeah. We just, we gotta listen. We yeah, gotta let's, listen let's hear to this. this. I love you. I love you, too. Do you have to leave? Yes. When will you be back? I'm a virgin. What? I want you to make love with me. Here and now. It's your jet. Thank God for that. She's a virgin. She is pure as the driven snow. (laughs) I don't know if I would go that far. She's so sweet in these scenes and portrayed very well another declaration of love here. Now she wants to fuck on a yeah. jet. She Cooper didn't take her virginity, so god damn it, you need to fuck me before Ooh, you take boy. off on this plane. Yeah, what a weird scene. What yeah, that is putting it lightly. The fact that JJW doesn't even bat an eye, he's just like, okay, here, come on up. <laughs> yeah. A virgin, you say. <laughs> Baller. Let's do this. Audrey almost made it to the Mile High Club. Not quite, but close <laughs> enough. Step one in the multi-step process. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. She wants Jack John to make love with her. They're going to do it together. Yeah, it's a cooperative engagement. <laughs> it's a co- yeah, this is a co-op. <laughs> and Pete's just like, oh, sweet. Pete. It's just he hangs around. I really wanted a scene of Pete just sitting in the pickup truck, like whittling or humming, and then you just see the jet shaking or something. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, kids. If this jet's a rocking, don't come a knocking. <laughs> and he just kind of giggles to himself and keeps like whittling or doing whatever he's doing. We got to stop because this is gross and we're going to move on to <laughs> Earl's shack. I got to do it. I'm starting to blush. We're at the shack where Earl is setting up his new game show. Yeah. <laughs> Briggs. Briggs is just on a giant bullseye. Or yeah. A... <laughs> he's not quite there, but he's waking up from the tranquilizer dart. And Adam, if Wyndham Earl kills Briggs in 
the next two episodes, I will end your life. <laughs> You're like, I'm done. I quit the podcast. Yeah. Earl is shooting arrows. They're bolts, but I was going to let it slide, you son of a bitch. Yeah. He's asking him questions, but Briggs, ever the military man, yeah. is like, I am not at liberty to divulge that information. That so he's great. playing it straight, even though he's got bolts flying at him, and Earl is just kind of laughing and not looking at him while he's shooting, but missing him by mere centimeters. It's pretty tense. Yeah, he he's playing his game, but quickly gets bored. He admits that he's running out of time. Right. Uh, he needs information, so... He grabs a syringe and some yellow liquid. Yeah. I assume some kind of, you know, sodium pentothal yeah, truth, kind of serum, truth serum. Which, I don't know if you know, but is not actually super effective. I can imagine. It seems a bit too easy to just inject a person with a chemical and get all the answers you need, but yeah. this is a television show. Let's have fun. The question that he asks Major Garland Briggs is so good. I feel like we need to listen to a little bit of it. So let's play the interrogation. What do you fear most in the world? The possibility that love is not enough. God, please, I shall weep. How much does your wife weigh? 115 pounds. Ooh, good for her. Now, when did you first see the petroglyph in our cave? In, in dreams. What kind of dreams? I was night fishing with Agent Cooper. And, uh, there was a light, a guardian beyond it. I was taken to but my mind. Still, I recognized the signs. What do the signs mean? There's a time if Jupiter and Saturn meet. like he didn't get anything from Briggs, but I guess I'm wrong. So Earl manages to pull a very important piece of information Yeah, from the Briggs. Jupiter and Saturn thing. I thought that Briggs was fucking with him. Like, there's just some nonsense. No. I guess that's important. clearly states when Jupiter and Saturn meet, they will receive you. Yeah. So, uh, obviously he's talking about the alignments of the planets need sure. to be in a certain way for you to gain entrance to a certain place. He also, notably, is talking gibberish. There's no way you would have noticed, noticed this on an initial viewing, but the gibberish he is spouting is that gum you like is going to come back in style backwards. Crazy. We're going to take a quick break, but before we do, did you notice that Wyndham Earl was wearing an American flag pin on his <laughs> lapel? I don't know why. That cracked me up. Well, maybe before you know he became corrupted, it was a sense of patriotism. Maybe he wanted to find the Black Lodge as a way to use it as a weapon. Who knows? I don't know. Listeners, we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by the hardworking lawmen of the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department. The woods are overrun by maniacs, and strange happenings occur on a daily basis. But your friendly Twin Peaks peace officers are here to let you know... Run! This town isn't safe anymore! Flee whilst you still can! Hey, hey, come on now. We chased that crazy shoe salesman out of town. That's pretty good police work, right? Twin Peaks is a hellmouth, and evil will consume us all! Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department. We're doing our best. Everybody, we are back, and we are at the Blue Pine Lodge with my favorite villains of all time, Andrew and Catherine. 
<laughs> and the puzzle box. This puzzle box that I didn't think mattered. mattered. Doesn't matter. Oh, well, I was right. Yet another aspect. Yeah. And they're just everywhere in these last few episodes. Well, more so this episode because it's basically setting everybody else up. And then the next two episodes are basically a two part finale. So yeah. all this is the end of a lot of the storylines we're seeing. We'll see some more wrap ups. Yeah. But a lot of this stuff, we're just moving it along for the sake of moving it along. And and we'll do the same here because ultimately this scene doesn't have a lot of bearing to no. Twin Peaks at large. Andrew figures out that the symbols and the lunar cycles are buttons. And yeah, so he starts. It's a touchscreen. Yeah, what? he starts fiddling with stuff and he puts in Eckhart's birthday and then his birthday and then the date the package arrived. And sure enough, the puzzle box opens. You find uh, another, another box, and, box. And Catherine is pretty disappointed. But Andrew is tired of this shit. Yeah, he just grabs a, a rolling, rolling pin. pin. Yeah. Where, where did that come from? <laughs> and he swings it back. And I'm pretty sure that the shot was focused on the stuffed animal behind him. It was weird. I remember really? it kind of throwing me off. And he just smashes it, and nothing is there. And then when it, the camera cuts back, there's a big metal brick there. It's like an aluminum block. Yeah. And, and Cat- they're like, ooh. ooh. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either, and we don't care. We are going to go to one of the greatest love stories ever told. No, not Snake and Bobby, but Annie and Cooper. Yeah. Back at the roadhouse. Yeah. They're kind of checking out the place. I think they're practice dancing. Yeah. Cooper is, is showing Annie his old two-step. And like I said, I appreciate this relationship. I don't feel that it's the appropriate time to focus on it. Although I guess with three All this episodes other cool left shit going on. Yeah. There's yeah. like when when else is it gonna happen? So I it's the tail end of this episode, yeah. It's not the you know what I do not want to focus on is fucking the Milford. Mayor, yeah, <laughs> Mayor Milford. Milford. As they're dancing, Cooper calls her a queen and then yeah. around that time is when Milford kind of gets up to the microphone and is struggling with it and tries to make an announcement. Sure. And Cooper is blasted with a vision from what we assume to be the White Lodge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. I was so focused on these two clearly wanting to just fuck in the middle of this room. And I'm like, get a private jet, you two. Am yeah, I right? as soon as he calls her a queen. Yeah, that's The White Lodge is like, hey, motherfucker, motherfucker, no, 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 no. <laughs> and the, the giant shows up again. I'm like, I thought the old man at the hotel was the giant. The Lodge spirits can use humans as avatars if they want to. Any, I thought they were kind of tied to a human. Human. They can be. And we'll, we'll see subsequent episodes where that rule will kind of fluctuate. Not yeah. Lodge spirits aren't bound by any set of rules. They can kind of do whatever the fuck they want. Maybe the giant just likes to be old guys. Well, I think it's more of a, the character of the old man, the pure of heart. Like Andy, too, is, you know, like an exceptional you, vessel for someone like that. You think Dwayne Milford no, is I just, I think pure he's, heart? No, I don't, I don't think the giant is <laughs> occupying Dwayne Milford. I think he's sending Cooper a, a message. It's not easy for them to communicate with us. So Cooper, like everything in his life, has to decode the mystery and solve the crime, whatever, you know, whatever it is. He's got to break it down on his own. And he's not always the best at that. No. And he doesn't even get a cryptic message from the giant this time. He's the giant's just like, no. Yeah. And that's about as desperate as you can get. Like, hey, I'm not coming into your hotel room in the night and, and spouting off riddles. I'm just flat out telling you, no, back off. For whatever reason, Cooper just kind of scratches his head and like, oh, that was weird. And that's the end of that scene. Yeah. We don't we get to see any more of the giant. We move to the airstrip. And Pete fell asleep, and now it's nighttime. And the his hands start shaking. What is happening with this handshake <laughs> business? It turns out, as you said, nothing. nothing. That was the last handshake ever. And listen, I don't want to be crass. But Audrey has got to be raw because they have been in <laughs> yeah, there for I mean, a we while. Don't need to get into and details, it's her first but, time. Yeah, I feel like she, yeah, maybe she needs to go home and chill. Take a she hot needs bath. to to ice that crotch afterwards. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, JJW was yeah. not playing any games. Oh no, 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 no! He's like, I probably won't see you again. 
And she's sad because the man of her dreams is gone. Pete comforts her, saying he'll be back one day. And they go fishing. And he won't. He won't be back. They one go day. fishing. That's what. That's the end of their little story for this episode. <laughs> I love that's Pete's answer to everything. You okay? Let's go fishing. Yeah. You had a great date. Let's go fishing. It's the cure to any heartache. This uh, is a fucking weird scene. My notes here are literally shrug. Adam? Yeah. Well, I not, don't know. This is the moment where it all kind of coalesces, where Earl is laughing maniacally and. Briggs and Leo seem to be having convulsions or fits or something. I don't know if he drugged them or what, but it's kind of disturbing and weird. I mean, we should. Yeah. Briggs is almost turning purple and just his eyes are rolled up into the back of his head. And meanwhile, in the background, Earl is just laughing maniacally and fake typing and pulling up all kinds of stuff. And did you notice the camera work in this scene, too, where it just went like crazy 90s? Shake yeah, I don't camera know. Around. I was baffled once I realized this shack, and it took me a long time, has electricity. <laughs> Enough that he's got several com- yeah, high-tech uh, like suitcase computers going. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to like run an extension cord for a table saw, but he's got computers? After he figured out that he was only allowed to enter the lodge at a very specific time, he checked out the astrological charts and realized, oh, shit. That's very soon. And we finally get confirmation here that as Cooper and Truman are trying to figure out what the hell the petroglyph means, Earl has already done so, that the petroglyph is, is it's basically... A map, right? It's an invitation and a map. It, he overlays the petroglyph over a map, of, like an aerial map of Twin of Peaks, Twin right? Peaks, and moves it and realizes, yeah. oh, it's a map of Twin yeah. Peaks. And if you look on the left-hand side, there is a stick drawing of a very large yeah. person and a very small person. Right. So you got your giant and you've got the man oh. from another place. And to the right side, you'll see a circle and 12 trees and a pool. Now he knows how to get to the entrance, and he knows that when Jupiter and Saturn meet, the doorway will open, and he can go inside. I don't know if he has a plan for (laughs) once he he gets in there. Is he going to ring the bell? (laughs) Like, hey, guys. (laughs) Got this invitation here. So that's just the crazy scene that the madman knows. He knows what's happening. He's he's orchestrating. (laughs) (laughs) I will admit, it was cool. It was weird and crazy and cool. So, again, 28 episodes, about damn time. And we move to the Great Northern. Uh, we move, I mean, the double R. Uh, <laughs> the, the high school, the no. sheriff's department. Adam, how does this episode end? We found the entrance to the Black Lodge. It's a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a puddle in the ground. <laughs> that is kind of anticlimactic. <laughs> well, I mean, you think about it. I mean, would you want a big flashy entrance to an extra dimensional place? I, I mean, I guess if it's hard to find, you wouldn't want like a cool Stonehenge type thing yeah. in the woods. Well, or... we see the 12 sycamore trees yeah. surrounding a stone pool and there's some weird viscous dark liquid in there. I but just thought it was water. I just thought it was rainwater. Yeah. We see the the same light we saw when the giant yeah. we saw the giant. So we can pretty much at this point confirm that that light is the presence of lodge spirits. We don't know whether they're white lodge or black lodge. I mean, they both kind of operate similarly. Yeah. You hear we see Bob's creepy uh, denim arm yeah. reach out and just twist around and then all of a sudden he just apparates and he's, right. he's all there. And he's there in physical form? No, not in physical. He, oh, okay. None of the spirits have physical form. Oh, uh, yeah, well, I, that's what I was confused about. Like, maybe... Well, they have physical forms in a sense, but not like a hu- like a body. Right. But uh, that yeah. was him just kind of like confirming that is the entrance. Okay. And I thought we, maybe when Saturn and Jupiter aligned or whatever it is, he could come through and have a physical body. No, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. That's, that's he just can't his, have a physical body. Uh, no, he can't, but he can go and do whoever he wants and get one. That's true. We hear some sexy saxophone music and we we see the red the red drape. So yeah. at this point is the confirmation that the red room we have seen so many times is in fact in the Black Lodge. It was a good ending. Yeah. So the pieces credit are, where credit is due. The pieces have come together. We are on the final stretch. The next two episodes kind of flow into one another. But let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll finish it up. All right, let's do it, man. Mm-hmm. 
listeners, are you into alpha males, badass leading ladies, and happily ever afters? Then check out another great Calamity Cast podcast, Dick of the Week, where I chat with my other two co-hosts about everything we love and sometimes hate about both writing and reading romance novels. So grab a glass of wine, get comfortable, and let's get down and dirty about romance. Find it on CalamityCast.com or wherever you find your podcast. Well, folks, we're back at the Black Lodge Complaint Department, just finishing up talking about episode 20 of The Path to the Black Lodge. This episode, unsurprisingly to me, was a hit with Dan. It was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's was some a, misses. There was a, a few, but mm. I mean, I even liked the Audrey and Jack John scene where they're like, let's yeah. fuck on a plane. And now that, that was we weird. know more about the Black Lodge, it isn't just something that people chat about for five minutes buried in the middle of an episode. We yeah. know that it's a place. We know that it's where Bob is from. We know it's powerful. We know it's evil. And the bad guy wants to get to it. The girls are in danger. They understand that the stakes have been set adequately as we move into the finale, which is really disappointing because the momentum this episode had was completely halted because of the show's cancellation. The show wouldn't air again for another seven weeks. It was basically just tossed into some bullshit slot in June where they just aired the last two episodes back to back. So all this cool setup, seven weeks of radio silence, just dumped the final two episodes, and then the movie, and all the fans got pissed at the movie. So it was a tough few years for some people. But I think in hindsight, it was an evolution that needed to happen, you know, the turning from a show to a horror film to something else. So this has been another episode of the Black Lodge Complaint Department. Many thanks again go to our friends at Retro Promenade for providing our theme music and interstitial music. Visit them at retropromenade.bandcamp.com and download some more of their Synthy tunes. Thanks also go to Ian McGowan for our jazzy musical interludes. If you want to talk Twin Peaks, or if you've joined the Mile High Club and care to share, yeah. Use the hashtag BLCD on Twitter, where we're at CalamityCast. I am at underscore DS Williams, and my pal Adam is at Sour underscore Bauer. Find us on Facebook at CalamityCast. Email us at CalamityCastNetwork at gmail.com and check out CalamityCast.com for everything we do. If you like our show, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever the hell you're listening. (laughs) If you'd like to support CalamityCast Network, we would really appreciate it. Head on over to Patreon.com slash CalamityCast and become a patron. For one-time donations, you can use paypal.me slash calamitycast. We also have merch at the CalamityCast Public store. Check out tpublic.com and search CalamityCast Network, all one word, for posters, mugs, hoodies, and, of course, t-shirts. We'll return next week with the penultimate episode of Twin Peaks Season 2 and an episode of the Black Lodge Complaint Department that's hell-bent on winning the beauty pageant. See you, guys. Bye, guys. This has been a Calamity Cast production. For more content, visit calamitycast.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and 